Welcome to Omalort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined again by David Baxter. Hello. Hello. We're going to jump right in because we already I already asked you how you were today, so that would seem yeah. like an inauthentic conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting, inauthentic conversations. Yes. Do you know anything about the Eastland disaster? No. Okay. I'm going to say no, although I'm going to say no for now. Okay. I, there's a – wait – I'm just remembering a video I watched a couple of years ago of a ship that left Chicago and it was a passenger ship and it sunk really fast. And it's not that one that has the song about it. It was a different one. And I could be, I don't, yeah, I don't know. You, you probably uh, confused some of the details. Okay. Okay. So the SS Eastland. Mm -hmm. capsized on the Chicago River. Okay. Resulting in 844 deaths. Damn. Which is more people than the Titanic. Yeah. 22 entire families died. Wow. It could have been the Eastland that you were learning about, but they didn't leave Chicago. I don't remember anything about it except for people. So the Eastland was constructed in 1903. She was the only passenger boat ever built by Jenks Shipbuilding Company in Port Huron, Michigan. They focused on cargo ships. Okay. Her original capacity was 700 people. Marty seeing a problem. She was known for listing, which is boat speak for tilting. Uh-huh. And this is from WTTW, which is, again, our local PBS. The ship had a reputation for being unstable. It had nearly collapsed 11 years before on Lake Michigan. Following the Titanic disaster three years earlier, changes in maritime law required ships to carry more lifeboats, which, though intended to make the ship safer, actually made it even more top-heavy. The ship had also recently been cleared to increase its passenger capacity. So there were perhaps too many people on board. Hmm. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I don't have a response to how this is already being set up for massive amounts of failure. Oh, yeah. During her maiden season, she hit the tugboat George W. Gardner, and the tugboat sank at its dock near the Lake Street Bridge in Chicago. Okay, auspicious. Later that year, six of the ship's firemen refused to do their job because they had not been given their potatoes for a meal. John Perdue, the captain, arrested them at gunpoint. When they got to the dock, the six men were arrested for mutiny. I'm assuming potatoes were a normal thing to feed, to give firemen. I'm assuming so. That was what they were. It was 1903. It sounds like they didn't get their meal. And then they refused, but they got arrested for mutiny, which mutiny. 
wasn't unusual. There was another boat in the New York area that had a mutiny of Irish anarchists from New Jersey. It's worth mentioning Purdue was replaced. In 1914, the St. Joseph Steamboat Company purchased the vessel. Harry Peterson became the captain, and it had nicknames like the Speed Queen of the Lake, but it was also called the Crank of the Lake. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high-quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Does it say... I can understand where a speed queen comes from, but what about crank? Like a cranky because it listed so much. Okay. It was known for listing. And so everyone was like, let's load her up. Let's load her up. After the Titanic, lifeboats became a requirement for all vessels. The Smithsonian has an article entitled, The Eastland Disaster Killed More Passengers Than the Titanic and the Lusitania. Why has it been forgotten? Here's a quote from this article. The 1912 sinking of the Titanic gave rise to a, quote, lifeboats for all, end quote, movement among international marine safety officials. In the United States, Congress passed a bill requiring lifeboats to accommodate 25% of a vessel's passengers. 
And in March 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed what became known as the La Follette Siemens Act. They go on to say, during the debate over the bill, the general manager of Detroit and Cleveland Navigation Company had warned that some Great Lakes vessels with their shallow drafts would, quote, would turn turtle if you attempted to navigate them with this additional weight on the upper decks, end quote. Too few legislators listened. That feels, yeah, tale as old as time. And even though I have now seen videos of ships crossing the Great Lakes and I did not realize how rough it gets, Mm -hmm. because I think of lake and I think of, I don't know, much a much smaller thing. Not something where you can get to a point and not see either side. A lake, even at its biggest, a lake is still topographically different from the Atlantic Ocean. I can imagine that. I don't understand how a legislator can't seem to grasp that. Also, just not listening to the experts. Yeah. It's a tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. They go on to say in the Smithsonian, by July 1915, the Eastland, which had been designed to carry six lifeboats, was carrying 11 lifeboats, 37 life rafts, parentheses, about 1,100 pounds each, and enough life jackets, about six pounds apiece, for all 2,570 passengers and crew. Wow. Most were stowed on the upper deck. No tests were conducted to determine how the additional weight affected the boat's stability, even though it already had a troubled history. Okay, sure. Early 1915, prior to this, prior to the lifeboats and complying with the Titanic laws, the capacity is 2,000. And Wait, it went from 700 to 2,000? I think it kept upping it because this is over a decade later. Yeah. It went from 700 to 2,000. But I'm assuming like the ship did not get bigger. They didn't like... No, but it sounds like they were taking staterooms out. Okay. But yeah, it didn't. It wasn't like they added something on. The St. Joseph Steamboat Company tells the steamship inspector that they can accommodate 2,500 people because of all the lifeboats they've added. Jeez, that's like, that's over three times the amount that it started out with. To put it in perspective, like, that's bigger than Broadway houses. Yeah. Yeah. I watched an interview with a member of the Coast Guard, and he said that at that time, the inspector's hands were tied. And if the boat operator told you they could accommodate that many people, the inspector had to agree, which is a great system. Yeah. Great. (laughs) This baby can do whatever I, this baby can fly. Yeah. It's just capitalism right there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also important to note that 1915, the summer was a gloomy one. So sales were down. 
gloomy is in just like overcast and rainy and... overcast and rainy okay and i wouldn't mind some of that right now it's, uh, Chicago, we're, we're, like, we're 70 degrees today okay yeah uh so they had this event coming and it was as exciting for them as a business as a venue in a small city booking the touring hamilton tour mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and never tested the new capacity according to the history channel Quote, that same year, a naval architect persistently told officials that the boat needed work, stating, unless structural defects are remedied to prevent listing, there may be a serious accident. Glad someone was noticing this. Yes, somebody was noticing this. Nobody paid attention, but somebody was Mm -hmm. noticing this. They had a boat engineer, and he was an experienced engineer, but it was his first season on the Eastland. I forgot to mention, the deck was rotted wood, so they covered it with concrete. That sounds like a perfect idea. That <laughs> It makes no sense. It's just, we sit there and look at the Titanic as the height of human hubris, but this just feels like it's this whole, uh, so far, everything you've said feels like somebody looked at the Titanic and went, hold my beer. Between adding the concrete and the safety measures, this already top heavy vessel added 33 tons of weight. Now in boats, I don't know how common they are now. I forgot to ask. They had what were called ballast tanks, mm-hmm. which they'd fill it with water and the ballast would move. But the captain, against the advice of a naval en- engineer, he liked to empty the ballast tanks for easier boarding. Oh, you're going to hate the captain by the end of this. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. On the day that we're talking about, a company called Western Electric, which is one of the area's largest employers, took their employees on a family picnic day. Zardi, this just, yeah, okay. Yeah. And they rented five boats. Hmm. George Hellis was a summer employee and was supposed to be on the boat, but was late because he was trying to bulk up his weight so he could play football at a Big Ten school. Do you have any idea who George Hallis is? No. Okay. He was the owner and founder of the Chicago Bears. Okay. Okay. And the co-founder of the NFL. Wow. Yeah. That's a sliding doors moment right there. That is, yes. Western Electric was considered progressive. They, they're treating their employees to a, a day. They're taking them from Chicago to Michigan City, which is in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, it's an annual outing. Uh, the, the employees paid 75 cents a ticket, mm-hmm. which is twenty two seventy by today's standards. So not bad. I'm sure they didn't have cop tickets to use for barter. These were working people, and this allowed them to live what, at the time, was a multi-thousandaire life, going in style from Chicago to Michigan City. This is 1915 Chicago. The city was bustling with excitement at 6 o'clock in the morning. There were 10,000 people in and around the downtown area. Okay. I guess excitement is watching other people have a good time. Yeah, I can, yeah, I, 
I don't know. I, I'm just having been down to Battery Park. I can think of a lot of people who just sit around and watch other people do things. That's true. It's just six in the six in the morning. I'm not watching anybody do anything. Oh yeah, no. The first one to board was the Eastland, and they started to board a little after 7 a.m. 50 people per minute were boarding the boat. That's a lot. That sounds... I wish there were some places I would board that were that efficient, (laughs) although maybe not in those circumstances. To put it in perspective, I work in the maritime industry and I've worked in the maritime industry for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And we generally, 290 is about 15 minutes. Okay. So 50 people is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) At one time. There were apparently two people keeping track of them getting on from the Smithsonian article again. As a steady drizzle began to fall, many of the women, especially those with the young children, took refuge below decks. In the main cabin, a band played for dancing. On the upper deck, passengers jostled to find seats or leaned against a railing, calling out to arriving friends. By 7.15, it started to tilt towards port, which is the left side for people not using nautical terms. Hmm. And the engineer, Joseph Erickson, filled the ballast and that overcorrected it. So the Hmm. boat listed starboard Hmm. or right. It tilted further port. And if you've been on a boat, it can get a little rocky. There's no current in the Chicago River. Like I spend more time on the river than most people yeah yeah (laughs) from the smithsonian at 7 28 a.m the eastland listed to a 45 degree angle the piano on the promenade deck rolled to the port wall almost crushing two women a refrigerator slid to port pinning a woman or two beneath it water poured into open potholes in the cabins below deck the most deadly shipwreck in Great Lakes history, a calamity that would take more passenger lives than the sinking of the Titanic or Lucene, don't kill me, I was underway. Reports, this is, reports say that the uh, crew abandoned the ship. Okay, wow, okay. <laughs> yes, as we learn from the Ocean Gate submersible, There is search and rescue, and there is search and recover. Mm -hmm. This was mostly search and recover. Mm -hmm. People were in the Chicago River. The Chicago River was really polluted and heavy Mm -hmm. because we use it to discard all of our industrial animal and human waste. Mm -hmm. People were trying to, and then there were so many of them that they were pushing each other down. Yeah. It was a mess. And I also feel that I'm sure outfit, I don't know. I I don't know if this would have affected things because this have, I know this is something that happened in New York near where I was, that Mm -hmm. there was a paddle boat that basically I I fucked, I, sorry, it, 
like a paddle boat ran into the it a lot of people died <laughs> oh, okay i think yeah and, and one thing that i think affected it was that you had the ship how how to how put it like the ship like the currents in the area were are screwy and then you have a lot of the outfits so like women in the dresses and stuff yes couldn't yes move well and the men had a better chance but even then like you're still yeah it's yes they were it was very much in the the clothes does come up because they're wearing these heavy clothes mm-hmm. same thing with the iroquois fire that i forgot yeah. to mention like they're dressed up these are they're wearing heavy clothes mm-hmm. that also played a role in it. Nearby, there are welders working on projects, and mm-hmm. they rush over with torches to cut holes in the hull. Mm-hmm. From EastlandDisaster.org. As the welders frantically worked to reach struggling passengers, they were met with resistance from the Eastland captain, Harry Peterson. Captain Peterson had objected to the work being performed by the welders and ordered them to stop cutting holes in the hull as they were, quote, ruining his ship, end quote. Those observing the spectacle called for the captain to be lynched or drowned. Police, however, arrested Peterson and took him into custody, a move that likely saved him from the mob's intended actions. He was worried about preserving the boat. Mm. The Eastland, what? No, I'm just like, at that point in time, like, why? Like, you've had to to dip your boat in cement to, like, stop the deck from rotting. So why not just, like... (laughs) Yeah, I don't... From EastlandDisaster.org. According to one welder, Elmer Nelson recalled, quote, he, the captain, told me to stop. I did stop for a minute, but the police arrested him, and I went back to work again. From the hole I helped to make in the hall, we pulled three persons to safety. Ultimately, this saved the lives of dozens of passengers. And I'm going to include in the show notes the various groups that rushed in to help, like nearby nearby tugboats and divers recovering dead body after dead body mm-hmm. and other nearby businesses. Relief funds were established immediately by Western Electric. I'm not going to give a lot of accounts of the mm-hmm. actual deaths, but apparently mm-hmm. it was haunting. You could hear them just screaming from oh, the river. Gee. Yeah. From EastlandDisaster.org. For several days following the tragedy, church bells tolled all day long as funeral processions became a part of many people's daily routines. Family members, neighbors, and friends carried floral arrangements and wreaths, leading pallbearers through the muddy city streets. One funeral after the other would leave the church. Quote, all that week, it was just like tears falling from the sky it was cloudy and the shops were closed down and everyone was in mourning said survivor frank blaha the funeral homes were not equipped to handle the volume Mm -hmm. 
So other businesses lent their vehicles for the processionals. Uh, for example, Marshall Fields, the Jeff Bezos of the day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> he donated 39 of the Marshall Fields trucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Graves were dug by hand back then. And it took two men four hours to dig a single grave. Wow. One cemetery here in Chicago required 150 graves alone. The week following the tragedy, they employed 52 men who worked 12 hours a day. That's a lot of digging. That's a lot of digging. They used two buildings of note for a makeshift morgue. One was right across the river called the Reed and Murdoch Center. It's a converted Mm -hmm. warehouse now. And they used that sort of as triage and as a morgue. Mm -hmm. They also used an armory in the West Loop as a makeshift morgue. That building later became Harpo Studios. They demolished it in 2016 to make way for the McDonald's World Headquarters. Sure, why not? (laughs) I don't know what to make of that, but there's something so uniquely American about that. Yeah. I I do think you get enough of a picture of how devastating it was. Mm -hmm. Like the Titanic, the Iroquois resulted in a demand for new regulations, right? I imagine even if it did, there's got to be a lot of people who are saying, no, we're fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're fine. It's fine. Actually, I searched and I couldn't find anything like a direct line from like I could with the Iroquois. Mm -hmm. And I asked two captains about it Mm -hmm. and they couldn't come up with anything. Of course. There might have been things that changed, but it's not like it's, oh, this disaster happened. And I, I have a theory. Okay. The victims were working class and not rich or famous. Yeah. Okay. It's it's no different than the world being captured by five dumbass libertarians in an underwater death blip mm-hmm. while ignoring a boat of hundreds of migrants that sunk a week or two prior to that. Yeah. It speaks to the aspirational nature of Americans throughout time. It's much more likely. I don't know if you saw Miles tweet about people being like, oh, it could be any of us in the, mm-hmm. the submersible. No, it's not. Yeah. It's actually much more likely that we'd end up in a situation like the Eastland than we are the Titanic. Yeah, we're not going. Yeah. You're not going down there in the ship, y'all. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be the one. Okay. I'm going to just, before I say, mm-hmm. I put this in here. As someone who works in the maritime industry, commercial boating is now very safe. Mm -hmm. I checked in. The United States Coast Guard requires certain drills, like Mm -hmm. man overboard and abandoned ship and fire drills on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. So there are drills. They have ways to actually count how many people are on the boat. Mm -hmm. They're built better. Yeah. Capacities are managed by the United States Coast Guard. I just want to say that boats are built 
much, much better. So the likelihood of sinking on one is incredibly thin, a commercial boat. But mm-hmm. it's also just, we, if we were alive in 1903, more likely to be on the Eastland than not. Yeah. And then on a big, bigger, the Titanic. Mm-hmm. So there could be stuff in, in how, and also structurally making them more stable is also a thing. But I just want to let everybody know that boats are not. The Eastland in, for us, is like mentioning Macbeth backstage. Okay. Okay. Like I, yeah. I was talking to a captain about it today and everyone in the wheelhouse just knocks on the nearest wood. Mm-hmm. All right. So surely people went to jail, right? <laughs> the way you say that makes me wonder. Nope. Oh, this is from the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin. Mm-hmm. In August 1915, a grand jury indicted six men for their roles in the capsizing. The president, vice president, two other administrators of St. Joseph Chicago Steamship Company, which owned the ship, as well as the ship's captain and engineer. They go on to say, six months later, a federal judge in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the defendant's home state, found the defendants not guilty in a bench trial, citing barely a scintilla of proof to sustain, according to a New York Times article at the time. They go on to say the court then denied extradition of the defendants to Illinois. And though nearly 400,000 was raised for the families of the victims, no one was ever found liable for their deaths. Of course. Why should that? Why should it? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. So the Smithsonian goes on to say, because there's also civil cases here. Mm-hmm. So it would take 24 years to conclude litigation related to the Eastland disaster. In the end, blame was pinned largely on Erickson, the chief engineer, for mismanaging the ballast tanks in the hold to right the Eastland before it capsized. Erickson, who initially was represented by Clarence Darrow. Darrow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah died as the proceedings dragged on that made him in the view of hilton the historian who analyzed thousands of pages of maritime and legal documents about the eastland disaster a convenient fall guy although evidence strongly suggested that peterson had been negligent he was not prosecuted nor were officers of the steamship company all criminal charges were dropped and the owners avoided any legal finding of negligence. One person went to jail. Mm-hmm. A pickpocket. Oh, okay. I'm only laughing because we had a pickpocket who went to jail yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It seems, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm trying to avoid saying anything of that TikToker, the Attenzione pickpocket, because apparently she's like hardcore right wing and anti-Roma. And do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh, there's a TikTok account that shows like this, like middle-aged woman in, I think Italy, like going into the uh, quote unquote, pointing out the pickpocketers in the tourist areas in, in Rome and stuff. Oh, okay. And it's become like a sound of, she starts screaming attention pickpocketer or something like that. And people start running away. But, and so 
it's a little bit of a milkshake duck thing where people were like, oh, this seems really nice. And then people were like, wait, no, there's a lot of anti-Roma. And then somebody found out that she's like a terrible politician lady who's associated with a lot of right-winger stuff. Oh, okay. Got it. Got yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. Cause here I've been pickpocketed. I shared about it in my very first episode mm-hmm. and I'd rather, I'm of the don't intervene. Yeah. Cause I can cancel my debit card pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also though, I mean, I live in a city, so I'm careful about my cash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about civil cases? Those dragged on for two decades. The Eastland's liability fell under maritime law. Mm. You're a crook, Captain Hook. (laughs) Listeners, in the episode about the Great Chicago Flood that came out now two weeks after you're hearing this before, or came out, yeah, two weeks ago, we go into maritime law and it, it greatly limits the liability that a boat has to pay. Mm-hmm. In this case, their liability was 46000 But outstanding invoices needed to be paid first. Mm-hmm. They had to have it salvaged. They had it towed. So the victims and the families saw little to nothing. Oh, so that money came out of the, the payments came out of the 47000 Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. Now, given Chicago's mayor's proclivity to overreact and, you know, close all theaters, take all Tylenol off the shelves, surely the mayor ceased operations to make sure all the other boats in Chicago were safe, right? When you ask it that way. (laughs) Oh, they didn't. Yeah. To be fair, I'm not sure this was under Chicago's jurisdiction at the time i'm just being petty again over 800 people died 22 total families the the boat was salvaged and renamed the wilmette oh so they put it back in service it wasn't like salvaged and parts were auctioned off for it wasn't like sent to a farm upstate oh if it makes you feel any better, it was converted into a naval vessel. I don't know if that does make me feel better or not. Now, the, Will Matt is, we have a boat in our fleet called Will Matt. It's spelled mm-hmm. differently, but it, the Will Matt family was a French, it was a French guy who married a Native American. Mm-hmm. And it was originally spelled, we met. Mm-hmm. And then they got some land and then it became W-I-L. I told the captain and he's like, today's wait, they salvaged it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Now, of course, the Reed Murdoch Center, which worked as the makeshift hospital and morgue, as well as Harper Studios, have stories of hauntings. Cause they must. They do. Yeah. I have a friend, there's boats that dock out of the Reed Murdoch Center, and she's just creepy down there. Mm-hmm. You might have noticed. That I have not made a single reference to turning these incidents into musicals. Yeah, no, yeah. Mostly because a musical about a theater fire would be terrifying for the audience. Mm -hmm. And one about a deadly tragedy on a boat would be morbid. It would be, but 
It wouldn't be the first time. I said mostly. Yeah. In 2012, Looking Glass Theater Company, which is a well-known theater company here in Chicago, David Schwimmer is associated with them. Okay. They premiered Eastland, colon, a new musical. Okay. Then in August of 2020, during the height of COVID, Mm -hmm. they did a virtual streaming for their, quote, free online public fundraiser, end quote. It has a little bit of a sizzle reel. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. I also, what? I was about to say, there is a fairly popular Titanic musical, and I don't remember the timeline, but I also know that the original plot of Anything Goes was supposed to be that the ship gets shipwrecked. Okay. And there was like a, I want to say it was a torpedo bombing or something. There was a bad shipwreck that happened like right before the show was about to open. So like they're all, it was, it's a sort of a famous story of Cole Porter, like on the train to New York, like changing the script because they were like, we can't do this as it is right now. Got it. Like when the Skidmore Owings and Merrill folks were showing Trump his 2000 foot tower in Chicago on nine 11 mm-hmm. and then had to tell him that they, he couldn't have a building that tall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the other the, what is it though? Because they aren't related, but I keep hearing about Master of Disguise being filmed during 9-11. Yes. Like and the then, turtle scene specifically being filmed. Like I heard about that this morning. I can't yeah. even remember what podcast I was listening to where they were talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I know it's a whole thing, but yeah, anyway. I um, also yeah. So to say this isn't this would not be the first or the last. Music. The Flying Dutchman is an opera. The Lyric Opera is doing that this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Pirate Queen does not include a shipwreck, but it does include lots of ships. Yes. I just found it funny, especially because in August of 2020, mm-hmm. I had the bandwidth to watch Bravo. Yeah. I didn't have the bandwidth to watch a musical about a sinking ship. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, read the room. Yes, read the room. The room. Also, that same year, 2012, Victory Gardens Theater, which is also a well-known, I think both of them have been given regional Tony Awards. So Victory Gardens premiered Failure, Cohen, a love story described as a magical musical fable. I already am worried and concerned and... It doesn't take place during the Eastland. It's like years later. Yeah. Okay. I looked at the plot on July 24th, 2015, which is 100 years later. Courage, C-O-U-E-R-A-G-E, theater company, premiered Failure, a love story in L.A. In 2022, Oil Lamp Theater in Glenwood, Illinois. That's a suburb, I think. Okay. Mounted a production, which garnered nine Broadway World nominations. Interesting. No. Okay. Yeah. If you're looking for some content for Thank You Five, I found, <laughs> I thought I would be doing an episode with no musical references, but yeah. here we go. I ap- approach all episodes for Omalort asking, why this? Why now? 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes the answers are obvious parallels. Other mm-hmm. times to remind people things have been screwed up since forever. And yeah. sometimes people just need a palate cleanser. Yeah. The Iroquois and the Eastland both inhabit obvious parallels and reminders. You have the ignored regulations conjuring not just Ocean Gate, but Silicon Valley Bank, mm-hmm. Sam Bankman Freed. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes. Mm-hmm. Those are just off the top of our heads. Yeah. In the news this year. Mm-hmm. And you have government officials disregarding the experts and the unintended consequences. Two big things that come to mind here are reproductive health care mm-hmm. and in general, Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the heart of it is greed and hubris like enron fire festival the blood lady uh, (laughs) and the current rollbacks on child labor protections Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts i i honestly don't know just because some days i try to be an optimist some days i just want to like lie down and wait for the heat death of the universe yeah because there are times where I look at, yeah, it's it feels like we haven't gotten better. And there are times where it's, yeah, no, it's when we have, when we are forced to stare it down, we can be better. Mm-hmm. But we usually have to have some sort of, not everybody, not all the time, but there are, we, we yeah, we, we gotta, I well, don't, I, yeah. I think it's also, Who's suffering even to this day? Look at Enron. Yes, people got in trouble. People, but how many people lost their retirement? I used to work with a woman in so in college after Enron, mm-hmm. I worked with this one woman. She was older, so she was like, I say older, and like now I'm like, oh, I'm starting to inch my way towards fifty five. I'm not near, but yes, that, I'm it a seems- lot. It seems so much older when you're like out of college. Yeah. Like I'm a lot closer to 55 than I was when I was 18. Yes. (laughs) But she was like, I think in her fifties, maybe in her later fifties, her husband had worked for Enron. They had a teenage daughter. I guess they'd had her late in life. I think either that or she was like, anyway, but they were, they had, they had a daughter. Maybe it was the granddaughter they're taking care of. I don't remember all the details, but they were taking care of a kid. Okay. And he was a part of Enron because I grew up in Houston. And okay. he, they lost everything. So she was working at like the dance store, but she was also a nurse. And so she would get four hours of sleep a night because she was working two full-time jobs. And so was he. And all of this to make sure that they had a roof over their heads and that this kid had didn't have to suffer because of the bullshit at Enron. Yeah. And to bring it back to a very similar, it's the Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley bank. Mm -hmm. I would not have been sad if all of those libertarian weirdo rich people lost their money. Yeah. But looking at it, because it's the worst people, it was the best solution Mm -hmm. for the worst people, Mm -hmm. but it would have been, the companies that lost all their money and the employee. Yeah. Employees, I, yeah. My, my day job is in subsidized housing. Okay. I think you and told me that. Yeah. 
we have used both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. And those are two of the big ones that got screwed over mm -hmm. or screwed themselves over. Or how I'm not, I don't know all the details. I just know that there were like a lot of hands on deck as the banks were like figuring out what the hell was going on. Uh -huh. And the other thing that I'm thinking about too right now with this is the Titanic was out in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And it hit the iceberg, it sank, it was a, that, that was a big thing. This thing, it was still at the dock. Yeah. It was still at the dock and it lost more lives. And I'm, and from what you were saying too, like when I, I did a quick Google of the Hellgate incident, that was like in 1904. And until 9-11, that was like the biggest disaster in New York. And it was like over a thousand people, but also it had chugged along, the steamboat had chugged along for a while on the spot that it hit a fire and collapsed and crashed and whatever mm -hmm. is a really is like a part of the east river that has like bad currents and lots of rocks and like in addition to all that other stuff it means that you're being swept away right so what's what was the name of the boat what is the name of the boat the General Slocum, S-L-O-C-U-M. Okay, so I listened to a podcast about that. And yeah, it had it's very similar to the Eastland. And that was the boat that actually had the drunk anarchist from New Jersey. Okay. And it had gotten grounded several times. It had yeah. other issues as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess just what I mean is in addition to all of those, the Hellgate area in the East River is like a not great area to even be in. Due right. to all the currents and things. And you're from what you're saying, this was at the dock and the Chicago River doesn't really move that much. Right. So, so it's like, how the hell did we get this death toll with right there? Yeah. I think it was just they were wearing the heavy dresses. Mm -hmm. And the boat Poseidon adventured. It, it really did. I thank you for bringing it up. I, I had <laughs> I had hope aside. I keep seeing Shelly Winters in my head. Yeah. Like, uh -huh, uh -huh. Or the Gene Hackman character. Yeah. I don't know if they didn't know how to swim. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because like, the Slocum, like people didn't learn how to swim. Yeah. And the life jackets, they had like lead in them. Mm -hmm. Like in the little ties. Why not? <laughs> and they, yeah. And the interesting thing about the Slocum is they had the life jackets, but they, they didn't take care of them. Yeah. Like, just to put it in perspective, when we, every year we have a Coast Guard inspection mm -hmm. and they have to get all of the life jackets out and count them and inspect them. Okay. Yeah. That's how hands-on the Coast Guard is. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, I'm not... I think it was just so chaotic. Mm -hmm, and if you mm -hmm. think about it, though, if there are 2,500 people, mm -hmm. the majority still made it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's because some of them were babies. Mm -hmm. They can't swim. Yeah. The other thing is they're pushing each other out of the way. There's a panic about it. Yeah. Where you might, if, if you're drowning, you might grab onto a person hoping. Mm-hmm. And then you bring that person down with you. Yeah. I remember yeah. that was a big thing in uh, lifeguard training was uh, making sure you're not in a position that happens. Right. 
people were throwing wood for people to float on mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think that's how it happened. And it was really also dark. Mm-hmm. The water was to this point. If I were to physically touch the Chicago River, I would go to the doctor right away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So imagine 1915. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a tragedy and I don't have words for it. Mm -hmm. My, the reason I bring up the the child labor protections is there are certain things that I feel like we are slipping back in time on. Mm -hmm. And that is one of them. Yeah. The children, they yearn for the minds. Yeah. Keep it in mind that sometimes regulation, it saves lives. Yeah. And I can, it's one of those things where when you see like some of the off the wall regulations, some people sit there and go, God, this makes my day so miserable. But then you also have to sit there and think about, or at least that's what I do is think about what must have happened to make this regulation stick. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it depends upon the regulation. There is a little bit of like, why do we still have to take our shoes off for one failed shoe bombing <laughs> right. on an airplane and all of that? But there is there's also the we have to the Coast Guard has to come in and check every single life jacket every year to make sure that they're all up to code. And right. It, same thing. There's all like. In some of the Twitter conversations about landlords, and I'm not saying this to say that landlords are good because I think there are other options for this, but one thing that does not, one thing I don't think a lot of people are aware of is elevator inspections are a big deal and they cost a lot of money. And if your elevator isn't up to code, it costs a lot of money to fix. And Elevators are good things because they help people who can't, in addition to you don't want to walk up six flights of stairs, it does help people who can't walk up Mm -hmm. six flights of stairs to get up to the sixth floor so that they're not all, like they can't only live on the first floor. And- Or ADA compliance. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. And here's the thing, like people, I am very cynical about Mm -hmm. business owners. I think that there, there are, People that'll do it because safety, they value the safety, they value their customers, they value their employees. Mm -hmm. I think that there would be other people just looking at it from the maritime industry who would cut corners if they were allowed. Yeah. It's more from that, what we saw with the Iroquois. Oh, it's not going to happen. So I don't always trust people to do the right thing when it comes to running their business. Mm Mm-hmm is why people can talk about regulations, but it's that's why the Coast Guard exists. That's why yeah. we have ADA. Yeah. That's uh, oddly, the Coast Guard does not have ADA. So that's, <laughs> boats are not required to have ADA. Okay, okay. But we try even then. Yeah. But that's, and one of the things Chicago dealt with is we didn't have curbs that you could slide down for ADA, but those that's why they exist. And I want to live in going on the plane, knowing that's been regulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at what happened with Ocean Gate. There was mm-hmm. no regulation there. And he cut corners. Yeah, he really, I watched, a, I think, an engineer talking about how 
she knows nothing about ocean diving, but when she heard the materials that were used, she was like, I, you couldn't pay me to have been like, there was, mm -hmm. I, yeah, the materials that he used. No. And that's the, the hubris. I find ocean gate to just be a metaphor for rich people doing really dumb things mm -hmm. who complain about regulation and complain about government agencies. Then having it, a lot of government resources mm -hmm. for their dumb asses. Right. Yeah. There's a, a metaphor for life in 2023 right there. Mm -hmm. All right. Any final thoughts? I can't think of any. Hopefully there'll be some happier stories coming up soon. Yes. We'll get there in a minute. Or uh, some or some fun stories. There's 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 like fun, tra fun tragedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. First of all, thank you for taking this journey with me. Yeah. Next time I have you on Oma Lord, I will try to find a less depressing topic. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So tell people where they can find you. You can find me. I host the podcast or I co-host the podcast. Thank you five with Matt and David and friends of the Countess. Thank you five does musical theater. Friends of the Countess is a Roni recap and you can find those on your favorite podcast platform and friends of the countess is on instagram and thank you five is on twitter somewhere it is on twitter yeah i haven't figured out if i'm gonna move over to any of the new ones i have a blue sky invite and i'm like should i just use that on myself <laughs> i don't i tried threads it was delightful mm. for the weekend Threads looks exhausting to me, and the fact that you can't delete anything makes me. Oh, you weird. can't! I didn't know that. You can't delete the account without deleting oh, your Instagram yeah, that, account. Yeah, that, that I knew. Okay, thanks for listening. If you mm -hmm. found today's podcast interesting, hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review. Faster than Florida bands, Eastland, a new <laughs> musical. Tune in next week when Molly McAleer returns for some lighter fare. <laughs>